Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Pure Hope with your host, Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. Hope is the name the angels gave Reverend Gorman. Help open planetary eyes. And that's what we hope to do on Pure Hope. Thank you for joining us. Welcome, everybody, and happy spring. I am so glad that you're here on the Pure Hope Show listening to us. We are doing our recording today from the Hope Interface Center of Mankato, Minnesota. And as we always say, if you are in the area, our temple is open up to anyone, anywhere, at any time. And we are an interfaith community. And we welcome you all um, to the Hope Interface Center. There is no doubt about it, no one can deny it, that we are living in such exciting times. Changes are occurring almost daily on every level of our lives. And never in a lifetime have we been to witnessing a global awakening at this magnitude, whether it's been with the pandemic, whether it's been becoming sovereign individuals here upon the planet. So every aspect of our life has been affected. Thoughts are manifesting what I call at a very rapid rate of good or ill. Systems are failing. New ways of thinking are starting to pop up everywhere. And that new way of thinking is more cooperative, more harmonious in every way, shape, and form. People are ready. Women are waking up to the truth of who they are in their divine feminine energy. Children are being born. In fact, here at the Hope Interfaith Center, we are expecting our first baby here at the Hope Interfaith Center. One of my assistants to now is having a baby born soon, soon, soon. And all of these babies are a time of springtime. They are being born with what I call exceptional gifts from demonstrating that our race is now changing into more of a spiritual evolved species. We are all changing. And so we are here now with an illuminative speaker and a cosmic being who is here to bring us information. Her name uh, is Carrie Hummingbird, and I met her uh, through an opportunity where we just clicked when we talked, and I knew that I wanted her on our program. She is a soul guide, a shamanic healer, an award-winning author, an inspirational speaker. Carrie, although I look at her picture and thinks that she's doesn't look that she could be that old, but Carrie has over 20 years of experience in leading by inspiration. She has a special passion, just as I do, for empowering women to be the artist of their own lives. She mentors women to rewrite their story of their lives through inner transformation, connection to their essence of the divine feminine goddess energy, their remembrance of their purpose and a realignment to their authentic and true self. She is a certified in energy medicine by the Four Winds Light Body School. She is also certified as a spiritual coach by the artist of the spiritual coach training program. She is also certified in the empowerment of firewalking training by Sundor and certified as a warrior goddess facilitator. She is the past president of the Austin chapter of the International Association of Women. Uh, Just a few more things about her. She has written, as they said, spoken of many, many award-winning books. Uh, One of them is One Woman's Journey to Self-Love. Another one is From We to Me, Emerging Self After Divorce. She has also written a brand new book, Love is Fierce, Healing the Mother Wound. She is currently living, and I believe calling in from Austin, Texas. She lives with the love of her life. 
She has two children and her two teenage sons in the Austin, Texas area, and she works with clients from around the world. Even prior to this, she has an extensive um, uh, research. Uh, Miss Hummingbird has a 20-year career in technical and marketing communications consultant in both Silicon Valley and Austin high-tech communities. She has served in leadership since she began working, most notably serving on the board of the Silicon Valley chapter of the Society for Technical Communications. So I welcome, Carrie, are you on the air with us this fine day? I am. Thank you so much for having me here. I love it that you're on. Just as I said to our um, um, guests that are listening to us, that the first time I met you and we talked and talked and talked, I felt like we were kindred spirits. Um, So um, please tell all of our listeners a little bit about you and how you got into the soul work and working with people from all over the world of helping them become their most authentic best selves. Absolutely. Um, Well, you know, I did what most people do in uh, living life the prescribed way and going about it the way I thought I was supposed to, the correct path. And that involved, you know, going to college and getting my degree and then going off into Silicon Valley and getting a nice high-tech job that paid a good salary and building my reputation in that business as somebody that was, you know, hardworking and getting, a, you know, the job done and doing a really good job and, and somebody that was desirable to be, have on your team, you know, in sense of making money. And, yes. You know, and then, you know, starting to accrue all the stuff, the house and the cars and the status and all of those things. And um, I remember it all was working pretty well for me. Of course, I enjoyed eating at really nice restaurants and having enough money to go to Maui and things like that. And then I had a child. And everything changed because here was this little being in my arms that was precious, most precious thing I'd ever created. And here's this little baby. And I am totally responsible for this child and for this little being in my arms and how to bring him into the world in a beautiful way. And all the things that I had been focused on myself and struggling with um, to find meaning and enjoyment in my life, uh, the, the life that everybody told me I was supposed to be so meaningful and beautiful, and it wasn't exactly totally that way for me. It was definitely like going on vacations and things, but the actual work and the actual day-to-day was not very fulfilling. And here was this little baby, and it was just so amazing to have this miracle and to feel like, how can the rest of life even measure up to this? How can it even measure up to this experience? And I started feeling even more the dissatisfaction of my life and really wanting to find some deep meaning. So that's really where it started. And of course, also when I had my child, I went through what a lot of women go through is a postpartum depression. And I think that the depression of, of um, that moment for me was actually the recognition that my life was not nearly as meaningful as this experience, that my life was sort of, you know, surface level and lacked a lot of depth compared to this experience of having a child and that I was sort of out of my league, you know, with this experience of having a child and I had a lot of work to do. So really I feel like that for me was the invitation to a spiritual depth, but I didn't know that at the time and I had a lot of resistance to it. But I will tell you that I was walking my child in the stroller. I would take these long walks during the day with my child in the stroller, my little baby, because he, he really, he got very colicky, so he needed a lot of outdoor time. And so we'd walk these streets around my neighborhood, and I would always stop outside this place called the Center of Spiritual Enlightenment. And I would stop, and mm. I would look in the doors. <laughs> and I was, like, frozen in the sidewalk, you know. But I wouldn't go in. Um 
because I had many objections to going in, including, oh, my husband doesn't believe in any of this crap, and it's just a business, and you're just going to give him all your money kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I, I I would always stop and look, though, but I wouldn't go in. And I think if I had gone in, it might have turned out very differently, but I didn't go in. So that journey to actually get into spiritual enlightenment, that took me another, oh, I would say uh, from the time there, probably another 10 years before I actually began the journey to my spirit. My spirit was calling hmm. me pretty strongly, though. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I just kept mm-hmm. talking. Well, you don't know how many people that that finally come into the Hope Interface Center, they will say, well, I've driven past your temple, I've driven past the sign, I felt called to come in, and I just drove by. And then they would drive by again. Eventually, if Spirit is calling you, your higher self is calling you, you do walk into an establishment, a teacher, a mentor, to help you wake up. And and just as I read before that, you know, it's no denying it that our earth right now, Mother Earth, Gaia, everything is waking up. So what if we were going to ask you about the complications and or the waking up process of our global reality right now with the pandemic, with people on it, what would you call this period of time? Well, I would call this the cocoon <laughs> because in the cocoon stage, you know, I always I always use the metaphor of the butterfly. And I actually think we're moving a little bit more into dragonfly now, and I'll talk about what that means in a second. But for right now, the, the butterfly is an adequate metaphor because the butterfly is a caterpillar, you know, munch, 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 everything it wants, it just eats, 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 and consumes, 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 and that's Really what we've been doing as humanity is consume, consume, consume. And and then at some point the butterfly or the caterpillar goes into the cocoon. And the cocoon is all about dismantling everything. So the the consuming is to make it give you enough energy or desire to cocoon. And then the cocoon is about letting go of everything. And it's it's like letting go of structures in our society that we've built over thousands of years that are actually based on not so desirable premises. For example, um, you know we have, we have in the United States we have a country built on um, built on enslaving people in order for some people to be rich and other people to to be the the labor that makes it all happen. And we we conveniently like to try to pretend like that didn't happen but when you found a country based on that premise that premise permeates everything it stays and certainly we have a lot of unconsciousness around that today so this is one of those things that in order to heal it has to be revealed and so it's being revealed and we have you know a lot of things that happened in this last year that revealed it to us in a way that now it's getting a lot harder to deny it and so we you know we are in that process you know collectively where we're 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 individually in it because we're seeing like our own addictions to materialism, for example, our own addictions to consuming and how that is dangerous for the planet and other people, other cultures. And um, so we're seeing a lot and, and also collectively, you know, so that's, that's all being dismantled. And, and along with that dismantling is not only um, dismantling the external structures, but dismantling the internal structures, which include your sense of identity. Like, oh, I'm a good person if I have this much money and this kind of title, and this is what I do in the world, and you know, I provide this business for my family, and that makes me a good parent. Well, actually, that's all being revised because there's a lot simpler guidelines that we're going to be finding in ourselves as we dismantle those external measures. So it's a lot of dismantling, and that's the cocoon process I see us in. And eventually we're going to, you know, pretty soon we're moving into a phase uh, it's more, much more like the dragonfly, which, you know, I feel like we had, we had this gradual awakening for those who said yes um, to the awakening a little sooner. We had sort of this butterfly metaphor, which is a little gentler path. It takes a little more time. It's a little more graceful. And, it, you know, it gives you a little more time to prepare and to let go of things in your own time and that kind of thing. Well, we're kind of past that point now, and so now we're heading into Dragonfly. And so anybody that hasn't woke up yet, we're going into Dragonfly. Dragonfly 
they work a little differently if you you know dragonflies basically are some aquatic creature under their under the water until at some point they're called to call, like climb up a stalk out of the water and into the air and as soon as the sunlight and the air reach its body it has an instant transformation now that instant hmm. transformation is not as graceful as the as the caterpillar butterfly transformation it doesn't take like you know a little time to do all that it's instant, which means, you know, you could think about psychosis, for example. Like a lot of people could would be very soon could be experiencing that, like having so many things ripped out from underneath them that it's like they're going insane for a while until they get their feet under their ground again. So that's kind of where we're headed right now is if we're at really rapid transformation. You know what? That is so – I love the symbolism of that. I love the cocoon and I love that – uh, era and the caterpillar that eats, consumes, 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 and then uh, and now we're in the dragonfly era, and I would I would say that as well. I know that one of your passions and one of my passions is indeed empowering women. Uh, I don't know for you, but I know for me, I felt that the divine feminine uh, was disregarded as well as many ways disrespected and so there had been what I would call like an imbalance between the masculine and feminine principles um, that had been in place for many centuries and I feel like there is this rising up of the divine feminine I know a lot of your work is in that and working with women do you want to describe what type of work you do for women who are ready to awaken and come into their power and divine feminine energy Absolutely. Well, a lot of the work for women right now is to step into their power, which means letting go of a lot of fantasies that we've been handed over the last few thousand years and a lot of, um, you know, sort of brain training that we got as young people, especially if you grew up in uh, a Western culture where we have access to Hollywood and such. You know, we, we have like these these movies that show us that we're supposed to be these princesses that are helpless and then we just lie back on our on our <laughs> foundation of flowers and then some prince comes along and kisses us and we come to life and they save us from our life of woe and um that's you know that's just such an old metaphor and we really leaning on the masculine to do everything for us provide the home, provide, tell us we're pretty and sexy and, and make us feel important. And then also with all, with all that comes, do what I say, do what I want. You know, we have to do what they say and what they want in order to get what we want. And then it becomes this big tug of war. And so we're really stepping out of that entire model. Like that entire model is very codependent. It's very, um, disempowering for everybody because, of course, it's not empowering for the men either. You know, they're they're sort of living by these guidelines as well, and this isn't very fulfilling for them. So, as we as women choose to step into our power and into our own knowing and reawaken the voice within and listening to it and paying attention, following and expanding our our knowledge of that's within and our wombs and our heart space you know, listening to it. We already, it's already there. It's just that we ignore it. Like me standing in front of the, you know, in front of the center of spiritual enlightenment, my whole body knew I needed to go in there. There was no part of me that didn't know I needed to go in there, except my brain. <laughs> my brain said, well, I think I need to go in there, but I'm not going to, you know? So it's that reawakening that part of you and letting it guide your life. That's a very potent aspect of being um, in the divine feminine energy. And of course, the divine feminine energy runs in every single person, so it's not, you know, exclusive to women. However, it does tend to, to seem that women's bodies have way more um, sensing receptors and emotional receptors than men's bodies. They've actually proven that scientifically. So there is something to being in a feminine body, especially one that's awoken to motherhood, that is um, very potent in terms of the information and the nuances that women and mothers especially can pick up on because our heightened senses give us a lot more information than somebody that's in a masculine body. 
And so, of course, the conversation of gender is also changing, and it's all over the map. So there's probably, like, at this point, 8 billion genders, and that would be appropriate because there's about 8 billion people. But, you know, just for the simplicity's sake of just talking about, you know, masculine energy, feminine energy, they're different, you know, we could call them, you know, my, my one of my mentors calls them warrior energy, goddess energy. There's just different energies, and we can learn to play with the ones that have been ignored, the softer, gentler um, more pervasive, nuanced energies would be what I would call the feminine energies or the goddess energies. And those energies are the ones that as we awaken and listen to those, they have a lot of wisdom guide us toward solutions, towards diplomacy, towards um, knowing when some, how somebody's really feeling, not just what they're saying, but like how they're really feeling because we can pick up that there's something going on there. And those are all really useful skills right now when there's a lot of people stuck in their egoic minds like me standing in front of the, the center for spiritual enlightenment not wanting to go in that's my mind blocking me and so as somebody who's in touch with their their feminine and the nuances would be able to tell hey what's up for you like it feels like you want to go in there what's going on and be able to ask those probing questions that help the person get past their egoic self so this is really like when we awaken these gifts, we can be in service to our families, to ourselves, and to pretty much everybody around us because we're listening in a new way. Um, let's talk about your book. I love the title, Love is Fierce, Healing the Mother Wound. Um, is that about helping women step forward? Because I know that there is a process as we awaken the divine goddess within us and and within each individual, we I think we need to recognize within us not only the divine masculine but the divine feminine to recognize, forgive, and unite. And so when I was listening to another interview that you gave and you were talking about your book, Love is Fierce, Healing the Mother Wound, what would... Uh, what was your hope that people who read this material would they walk away with? Yeah, well, basically the mother wound is, it's multidimensional. So it's not only the wound that you might have with your own mother. And, it's, um, you know, a lot of daughters experience this friction with their mothers where it feels like, gosh, where what ground do I have to stand on? Because my mother is like the matriarch and because our mothers maybe have felt powerless, there's something with powerless mothers that creates a very treacherous environment for children to express themselves and to have power. And so the model we're moving into is actually healed mother gives space for all beings to be sovereign because as a mother, as a woman who becomes a mother, realizes her own power, you know, in that space, she doesn't need to take anyone else's power. She flips and she becomes the giver of life to everything around her. She flips and the generosity of her heart is, is just spraying everything with agape love. And this is a healed mother. And so the goal of this work is to help every mother who's willing to do the work to become that, you know, that shift in consciousness to step out of feeling powerless and, and um, disrespected and dishonored and not listened to and all those things that as a mother certainly I felt to give myself and, and to give herself that knowing of her own power and then to become the fountain that constantly feeds others because she's feeding herself. You know, this is, this is really the dream that I have in the book is for the mothers to realize how powerful they actually are. And part of what keeps mothers from realizing how powerful they are is a lot of self-judgment, which is just um, self-induced punishment that was received throughout life, you know, up until now. It's just now it's just internalized. And so lots of criticism and, oh, you're too much, you're too emotional. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you know, that little voice inside of you, ignore that thing. All of these messages that we got that, you know, our intuition is somehow uh, not potent, you know, because it doesn't come along with reams and reams of scientific data to prove what we are feeling in our bodies is true. Those kinds, all of this, so many ways it expresses itself, but I think you're getting the idea. It's like, 
the goal is for us to, through this healing of the inner mother wound, is to claim our power and to know mm-hmm. that we know like we know that we are tuned in, we are tapped in, we are knowing it. And when you're in the place of knowing, your heart is so open. And it's about, you know, healing our hearts, healing our wombs, and putting things in right relationships so that our heart is leading the way, our womb is leading the way, and the mind is a servant. Now, when we step in fully into that space, everybody benefits. And there's so much resistance for us to step into that space, so those are all the challenges. So a lot of the work in the book is, is, is revealing things that we all have, many of us have experienced. I couldn't say all because I'm not everybody, but I've heard a lot of people say, yes, this resonates. Seeing like, oh, this pattern, because once it's made visible out of the unconscious space, once it's visible, you can see it, you know it's true, you remember it, and it's exposed. And now you can make a new choice about it. You can say, wow, I see that thing now, and I don't agree with that. And so I'm going to change, and I'm not going to let myself be led by that anymore. I'm changing my mind about that, and I am making myself different in the moment because, of course, we have access to the quantum space, to the quantum field. And so every decision we make in a space of love is an energetic conscious shift that leads us to a new outcome. So essentially the work is that, and it's also for all daughters and all sons who have experienced a mother that did not know she was in her power very very painful to experience that and so this is this work is to help any person who's experienced a mother that doesn't know she's in her power because that experience um, leads to more disempowerment you know when you feel disempowered you disempower others even if that's not your goal so this is this work is to clear that out so that now we're all in right relationship and we know our own individual power because, indeed, we're all sovereign beings. We all report back to and learn from one divine teacher, which on this planet is expressing as Mother Earth. So we, um, it puts things in right relationship. And beyond, beyond the family, but beyond the familial um, benefits to reading the book and the personal benefits to reading the book, um, because, of course, it affects every single relationship. I mean, how you are with your mother is how you are with everybody. You know, it's all the same conversation because mm-hmm. we start with our mamas and then that conversation expands to other people. So this clears up that. And then beyond that, it clears up our relationship to the planet, which is our bodies. Our bodies are made of earth. Earth is with us all the time. She's our teacher. And we abuse our bodies. Why? Because we've been separate from our mother. And we have refused her love. And so as we heal and as we get back into right relationship with Mother Earth, our bodies heal, our minds heal, our hearts heal, everything heals. And it comes back into right relationship, but we start treating her with respect. Um, I love the fact I had a speaker the other day on a summit that I gave, and she said every when we can stand in the middle of our own love, loving ourselves, it affects the whole field. It changes the whole field, and you're really saying the same thing, is that when that wound is healed and we reclaim our power as women, that we are affecting the whole field, uh, and it's moving and changing and shifting as we speak. And I've always believed that uh, the holy women are back and that we're a big part of the plan for Earth at this time and that we are beginning to wake up to who we are. And how we do that sometimes is to perform rituals under the sun, under the moon. Uh, What we're doing is receiving energy and I would say donating energy to the consciousness and the continuation of life and birth here upon the planet. So I know that right before we talked, you were going to go off someplace, I believe, with the teacher because you have done a lot of rituals of understanding the truth of who you are. Do you want to tell our audience some of the things that you have done and continue to do to awaken to the truth of who you are? Absolutely. Um, I love that you mentioned ritual and ceremony because the, the book Love is Fierce is guided by White Buffalo Calf Woman, who is a teacher of sacred ceremony. Um, she's here to teach us how to honor Mother Earth through the these ceremonies and, and, and coming into sacred space and moving into 
out of your mind and into your bodied experience. And so I've done a lot of work to bring myself into that space. And the book actually has a starter exercise for everyone who wants to, hey, I want to work with the earth in ceremony. How do I do that? So the book has a starting ceremony, which is to create an earth mandala, which is um, representing your desire to heal your mother wound. And there's some instructions hmm. for how to create it. And so, yeah, I've done a lot of work we, working with the earth, doing um, ceremony with the earth, um, creating uh, a meaningful little space on, on top of some piece of land, and sitting there for hours with it, just um, communing with different elements of the earth, like some stones or some sticks or some um, leaves or whatever other elements might be available and, and putting into them with my breath the intention of this represents this in my life and this represents that and then moving things around and, and feeling the energy change as I do that, as this conversation is happening um, beyond my mind into the space of working with these elements and the path that I walk primarily is a path with um, that is based in uh, Andean shamanism. And I learned it from the Four Winds, which, of course, is the teaching from Alberto Vialdo, who studied with uh, many indigenous people in South America and then created his own bridge for Western people, including um, teachings from the Caro people in the Andes Mountains, but also including a lot of other teachings because he found value in so many things down there for us to understand. But the primary teaching of the Caro is the Mesa, the, or they call the Misha. And the Mesa is essentially um, many beautiful cloths that fold over medicine stones to hold them inside. And essentially it's a walking representation of your spiritual path of yourself as a being inside that mesa and the mesa could have many stones and each stone represents some aspect of yourself that you're understanding learning and and um, deepening into and so they really uh they leverage a lot of stones for allies in the work that they do inside their mesas plus power objects you know maybe they have some animal allies that they bring in as a totem to support them and so in this way, we honor the animals, we honor the plants, we honor the stones, we honor the elements, and all of it is in us as well. And so these um, practices that have been carried on by the Incan people probably 4,000, 5,000 years, something like that, um, is a lineage that I, that I participate in as a Western person, as a person that was invited in to create this mesa. And I, of course, teach that now, so I invite other people into creating their own mesas. There's just something really beautiful about that communion with all the elements and holding it dear to your heart and knowing that this is, this is an external representation of all of your internal conscious conversations is so helpful. And there's lots of ways that that kind of ceremony can play out. You know, there's, there's also um, prayer ceremonies for the full moon and for the new moon and working with the element of fire to um, acknowledge the many gifts that you've received over the, the last two weeks or the last four weeks, to just take a moment, take a pause, have a ceremony, do a ritual to say, I acknowledge, I acknowledge that I have been blessed. I acknowledge that I've been blessed even if the things that came to my door challenged me, made me cry, made me angry, revealed some aspect of myself that I didn't like, I am blessed in that because that is helping me to see myself better, to understand myself better, and to bring forth my gifts, which are hidden inside those shadows. And so these are ways to, um, you know, to get out of your mind and into your heart and into the energy and contemplation really contemplating your life, learning how to allow everything that is to happen as it happens, accept it as it is, and then not, not push it away or try to get rid of it, but actually embrace it. You know, really bring it into your heart because it has a message. It has a gift for you, and that's precious. And I love this idea of hunting for gold in the shadows. You know, it's like if you, if you push the shadow away, you're never going to find the gold, you know? <laughs> How are you going to get it mm -hmm. if you don't go down there and look? So this, I find ceremony be a beautiful way of hunting, hunting for gold in the shadows. And certainly plant medicine 
plant medicine is one that I, I definitely work with. I, um, I work with many different plant medicines. I've worked with ayahuasca. I've worked with um, peyote. I've worked with a lot of different medicines. And each one of these medicine teachers, they have something valuable to share with you uh, to understand yourself better. And it's not something to just kind of go off and, you know, DIY, do your do it yourself at home. I mean, I yeah. guess you can, but <laughs> it's much better to do it in a, you know, in a, in a space with somebody who's like, you know, down in the jungle. Down in the jungle, there are Shipipo shamans who, um, you know, we've I've worked with some of them. And definitely the Carol people, sometimes they work with medicines. They mostly work with stones and energy, but there's different um, different medicine people that have expertise. They have an expertise in, say, Wachuma, or they have an expertise in San Pedro, or they have an expertise in Ayahuasca. And these people that have worked with this medicine, they, for, you know, their families have worked with the medicines for generations. They know how to be in service to you so that that medicine is um, supportive of your evolution and not just some kind of light show or, you know, temporary escape from your life, but actually can lead you deeper into yourself, into understanding the fabric and the construct of your of your consciousness. So you can start, you know, you, you really the whole goal here is you're you're handed a building of your consciousness, like you're handed this this temple, and then over time, without without being conscious, you sort of trash your temple. But you don't know you're doing that. And then when you wake up, you go, oh, my gosh, my temple's a little trashed. You know, like I kind of broke some windows and didn't, I didn't polish the altar and the floor has gotten pretty muddy. And, and this is your opportunity to see that and then to bring your, you know, your limpia, 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 clean, clean, and bring your tools out and clean it up and make it beautiful again in your own design. You're the architect, so you get to, you get to decide if you want to replace that stained glass window or you want to put some beautiful mosaics on the floor, this is your opportunity to do that, not, you know, for your temple, for your, your consciousness temple. I love that because I have a group that meets in new moon, full moon, and just last night we were doing um, ritual. And uh, it's interesting because just as your path took you, my path took me by the path the high priestess and I would say I would think oh these rituals that's just simply what they are I mean I was invited so many times kind of like you walking by uh, your um, uh, place where they could teach you I was walking by the path of the high priestess the path of rituals and thinking oh you know I can't was raised Catholic they had a lot of ritual it didn't do anything for me and then when I started doing work underneath the moon and the stars and the sun and working with Gaia Mother Earth that's when I really felt my power my sensuality my sexuality and you know I'm going to turn 67 and I just feel the full empowerment when I work with um, um, the, the mother, when I work with the mother. And, and one of the things I found interesting, because I know a little bit about your journey and you're now living um, with the man of your dreams, and uh, when people recognize, forgive, and then unite with their alignment, Right now what I'm seeing is many people are meeting their magnetic match or their soulmate or their twin flame um, because they're healing the division within themselves with the divine masculine and divine feminine. And then we're meeting men that have within themselves have healed uh, the division between the divine masculine and male and en- female energies within them. Is that how, what happened to you when you went from your first encounter with, I think you said many men or your first husband to find the love of your life? Well, absolutely. Um, you know, what I now understand, and, and there's a really good description of this in the book, The Celestine Prophecy, talks about how one of the first journeys we go on um, when we're looking for, uh, when we're a spiritual seeker and we're seeking our divine masculine or our divine feminine, depending on what body you're in and you're looking to complete yourself, is you're actually looking for that energetic um, 
for yourself. You're looking for the aspect of you that's available. That is, uh, so, so for me, for example, <clears throat> I was looking for the divine masculine aspect of me to integrate yeah. with my feminine consciousness body. And, uh, but I was looking for it in other people. Like I was looking for a, you know, external man because that's what we think we need at first. We're just obsessed. We need to find this man, find this man, find this man. But actually you're not looking for that. You just think you are. So that's what happened with me. And I was obsessed with it. I, I had my husband of 20 years that I, um, my karma partner that I worked through so many lessons with, definitely so many lessons. We worked really hard at our relationship. We were um, always, I was always working on it. I was in psychotherapy for two decades working on it and trying to make this thing work. And we had our, my two children with this man. And then it just got to the deep, dark place because I ignored that call. You know, I ignored that call to the spiritual center. I didn't go inside. So what happened was um, I... I left him and then I started looking again. I was like, okay, well, there's a different man on the outside that's going to complete me. There's somebody else. Like, he didn't do it, so I'm going to go find some other man. But really, this was a misnomer. You know, there wasn't a man that was going to complete me on the outside. That was not going to happen. So what did end up happening is I dated a whole bunch of guys, and I, I used it as an opportunity to um, <clears throat> to learn about myself and to uh, – to, I, I use it as a dating exercise, as a spiritual growth opportunity. So I would I would work on myself and improve myself, and then I would go on the dating site and pick a new man, and I would go, um, you know, date this man for a while and, and notice how he was and notice what he was being like, and then I would kind of say, oh, well, what do I want to change in myself, you know, based on this experience, because he's attracted to me, so therefore that's me. So then I started doing that, and then I would work on myself for a while and then end that relationship, and then I would go back out again. And each time I would get a better, you know, representation, something I liked better. You know, I wanted, I wanted to be a certain kind of person and I wanted to attract that. And then at some point what happened was um, I got my spiritual download, my spiritual integration of the masculine, which was White Eagle. So in the book, um, The Second Wave, Transcending the Human Drama, which was the number one international bestseller and it's been on the charts for about 86 weeks, 86 or 87 weeks now, um, wow. That book tells a story about White Eagle, and uh, I, you know, I'd had messages my whole life of this, but I didn't really, you know, I dismissed it because you get these messages and you just think it's your imagination, so you mm-hmm. just dismiss it, right? Like that's nothing, you know. Like I don't need to pay attention to that. Well, what happened was, um, I, I eventually I was getting a lot of those signs and messages. And I remember one, I was in the bathtub meditating. I just listened to Sandra Ingerman's um, drum journey meditations. And I was in a really, like, expanded space and relaxing in the tub. And then I saw in my third eye, my inner vision, I saw this periscope, like, like a telescope or something, like coming toward me, coming toward me in the, in the center. The circle's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and closer to my face. And then it gets really fat, like a foot away from my face. And there inside of it is this, what looks like an Indian chief, like a Native American chief with a feather headdress. And he looks at me and he says, open the suns in their hearts. And then he leaves, like the periscope, like, leaves. And I'm like, what the heck does that mean? So, like, you can't go. Like, who are you and what does that mean? So I looked at, I looked at, I tried to find a picture. I was like, what is this? And I knew that I had part Cherokee in me. So I, I looked up Cherokee and it was exactly the same. It was like a peace chief headdress. It looked exactly the same as what I saw on the Internet. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's what I just saw. So a little while later, I went to Cherokee um, smoking the Smoky Mountains, and I, I attempted to find a shaman, you know, like a medicine person. I was like, somebody needs to help me because I feel like I'm missing something, and I need to get it. Like, and I don't know where it is or how I get it, but there's something missing, and I can feel it in my heart that it's missing, and I need to find it. And I don't know how to get that, and I feel like it has to do with this Cherokee thing. So I, they, nobody helped me the first time. They just looked at me like I'm crazy white woman, and they were like, okay, well, a lot of people come here wanting that, and, you know, like, we don't know how to, well, whatever. We're not going to hook you up. You know, they could, but they wouldn't do it. So a couple of years after that, I went back again with my sons. And by now, it's pretty desperate, right, because I've tried to do this thing on my own, um, I couldn't find the connection in the uh, in the roles because we lost our relative's name and all of this third dimensional business was blocked and blocked and blocked and finally this um, 
I, they did lead me. They felt they took pity on me, and they they led me to somebody who was only there for the day. And uh, he was working with the demonstrations, and he's his name is Bruce. And he said, "Okay, I'll meet you in the parking lot outside." So he takes me out there. Um, but on the way out there, on the way out there, before he was going to meet me, I'm walking away from him, and this I felt like this softball size energy, like somebody flung a softball size ball of energy through the back of my head and it was right where my my head meets my neck which is um like now I know it's called the portal of God like it's it's your ancestral portal so mm-hmm. this ancestral energy this masculine ancestral energy entered my field entered my consciousness into started spreading out through my whole brain and I was felt dizzy and nauseous I had to sit down I was starting to see the trees breathing because I was in this altered space. And that moment began the moment of me integrating memories, actual full-body emotional memories of the Trail of Tears and watching people I loved die and losing my homeland and losing community and, and all the suffering and everything that happened and the tremendous guilt for having been the person that chose to advocate for peace when clearly that was maybe not going to work out so well. Um, you know, just a lot of guilt and a lot of things that were inside of me. It's like, like probably six years of healing on that. So, yeah, it was a big deal. And, and that was my masculine energy that I wanted to come in. So that's how it worked for me. Now, everyone's story is going to be different. So I don't want you to take that story and go, oh, well, I need to go to Cherokee and find my other half or something like that. But, like, each of us has a way of integrating our that soul piece that wants to integrate in with us in this lifetime. And that was just my, how it worked for me. And I do tell some of the story in the book. But, you know, each of us has our own method that our soul has worked out for us to integrate that, that, um, that matching energy, that masculine or feminine energy, depending on what body you're in. So it is, um, it's a powerful process of integration, these two aspects of self to, to bring unity. And then and the Celestine Prophecy book talks about this. So that was really interesting to, to read that after I'd gone through the process and to go, oh, that's the process I went through. Okay, cool. So this, this leads to unity, inner unity. And once you have inner unity, you no longer need another person to fulfill that element for you because you're showing up whole. And so when you show up whole, now you can be in partnership based in love with this other person rather than in needing something that you think they have for you. It's a very different relationship. Um, and now you can, you can um, work on your relationship, you can become a partnership, and you can have more um, freedom in how you hold the relationship than previously when you really felt like you needed something from that other person, like a vital energy. So that's pretty much right. what I've gone through. I think that's so – I'm hoping all of our listeners, because I have lots of uh, clients that are looking for their significant other or looking uh, or trying to manifest a soulmate or someone coming in. And really what you're saying, and I say it all starts with you, uh, you know, that when you unite the divine masculine and feminine within you, then you will – aren't able to hold and be in relationship with someone who is whole relationship as well. It was so funny because you're talking about the Celestine prophecy. And when I met my, my husband that I am married to now for th- almost 37 years, uh, when we were dating, we were walking past a, a bookstore and I, and at the front of the bookstore was the Celestine Prophecies. And I just said, I read that book. It's a very powerful book. It's healing me. And he says, well, that's funny because my mother's name is Celestine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, and I knew that we were connecting on a, and on a wholeness level and, uh, again, when you kind of find that alignment within yourself, that wave of alignment of your own divinity, then you are able to be in relationship with Gaia Mother Earth in a balanced way. Um, and with all things, even with food, I think that balance comes into our life when we're in balance with our own balance inside of our own beautiful temple called our body. 
But I meet a lot of women, no matter what size they are, that they have a hate relationship with their body versus a love relationship with their their body. Would you like to? And I, and I meet them from all sizes, all shapes, sizes, creeds, colors. So, how do you help women love who they are? How would you suggest our audience that's listening to this begin to establish a more loving, united? feeling within themselves? Oh, yes. That's a beautiful question. I would say um, the first thing is to realize the function of the body because I think we have some idea that our body, his whole function of the body is to be desirable and attractive sexually to other people. And when I learned as a healer um, on this path is that my body is a vessel that helps me to process my spiritual lessons and helps me to heal my ancestry and helps me to digest information, literally digest information. And also my body is a repository, so it holds on to undigested experience until I'm able to digest it. So that said, um, I started realizing that, uh, like for years in my former partnership, um, because it was a very challenging relationship where I worked on a lot of my karma, you know, so it was super hard. And so I would run a lot near the end of that relationship. I would like, I was running marathons and half marathons just to like get it out of, you know, just to kind of get through it and deal with my life. And I wouldn't feel better until I ran like six miles. And then I was start to feel a little bit better. Um, But what I realized on the flip side of that, um, as soon as I entered this partnership, with my husband now, Akeem, it became a really safe place for me to fall apart. And so hmm. what's happened is that I I have allowed my body to lose all muscle definition uh, from all that running, you know. So because what I realized was that, like, when you run a lot of marathons, your ass gets really tight, you know, like, just to be blunt. <laughs> and your muscles are really tight, like – they're super yeah. tight, and, and it, it, what they're doing is they're holding in. I realized my muscles were holding in all the, the negativity that I couldn't process in my former relationship, that it just got inside my butt, you know, and inside my thighs and my legs and my hips, and, and it, was, it was just like trapped in there with these really tight muscles. And so what happened was I started relaxing it, and my husband now is a masseuse, so he was helping me, like, really relax all those tight muscles. I was having all kinds of body problems, um, digestive issues and things like that, because finally I was able to process all of the undigested traumas I experienced on a regular basis in my former relationship that I didn't know what to do with because I didn't have the tools. So... I let my body go, you know, literally, just like let it relax as much as possible. And I'm on the flip side of that now. So I'm pretty sure I got rid of all of it or processed, digested all of it, you know. And so now I'm in the process of building my muscles back. So while I was in the letting go process, I definitely faced, you know, inner judgment about my flabbiness, right, because Mm -hmm. I got trained that you're not supposed to be flabby, that you're supposed to be tight and pretty and skinny and, um, you know, in order to be attractive and, and your body definitely shouldn't flatulate and, you know, you shouldn't burge, belch or burp or anything like that because that's just nasty. So I learned a lot of things that actually as a healer, that doesn't really work out very well because as a healer, my body automatically wants to get rid of, um, expel energy that doesn't, is not compatible. And one of the ways it does that is flatulence. Another way it does it is belching. Another way it does it is, you know, like urination or defecation. So like my body is, is digesting content that needs to be expelled. And so I can't be um, judging my body for doing what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to help yeah. me with all those things. So yeah, it's been, it's definitely been an, an inquiry of mine over the last, couple years as I've let it all go and then I've faced these judgments and the domestication about a tight little skinny body and gone well you know my body's a little more wild now like it's got some curves and it's looser and it's it's more relaxed and um, you know my belly is definitely poochy and 
And I'm I'm working myself to love that. You know, I'm working my way through all those conditionings that told me that that was undesirable and that I need to be skinny and pretty like a young girl. When I'm a mm-hmm. 52-year-old woman, almost 52, I'm giving myself a little extra age too quickly, but I'm I'm like 51, you know, and I'm this matron, I'm this mother of my children are 18 and 21. Um, I can still hoof my way up Mount Kemato, which is 9,000 feet, and I'm definitely getting up Aosangate, which is 16,500 feet. So what am I complaining about? My body is serving me well. And I think that we need to learn a lot more about how our bodies are designed and what they're really here to help us do, and we can appreciate them then. Hmm. I love that because I, I, I believe that, again, our definition or our program definition or conditioning, you know, uh, someone said the other day, they remember the song long ago, what condition is your condition in? And we're so conditioned to even think about what is healthy, what is a healthy body. And, but we've been conditioned to think that it looks a certain way versus it is working and functioning a certain way. So that's beautiful that you do that. So when people connect with you, Carrie, and they say, I would like to work with you, are there various ways that you work with them? Do you mentor them? Do you channel for them? Do you counsel them? Do you take them on pilgrimages or all of the above? <laughs> Pretty much all of the above. So. Um, People can get started with me. They can either come and do a single session. You know, I call it a rainbow light healing session. I have them 30 minutes or an hour. It's an opportunity to get a shift on something that's, you know, a challenge that's up right now. And certainly during the session, there's um, healing energies. There's mentoring happening. There's um, perhaps some questions. I might ask some provocative questions. I always like people to find things for themselves if they can. Um, and then sometimes I might offer a bit of insight that I received. Um, and uh, so those sessions are pretty potent. And then I do group programs. So I do a program right now called Healing the Mother Wound. It's a sacred circle. It goes for about six months. Um, they start up a couple times a year. And those that's where we dive into the book. We dive into um, themes in the book and themes in our collective consciousness and we do some healing work and those are always different each time because the group is different and so I work with whatever patterns are expressing in the group that are most present so we'll clear those patterns and bring more love and then I have a one-year program which is um, the initiate into being a Mesa carrier um, in the Andean tradition and certainly we do also take a trip to Peru, we go to the Sacred Valley, we work with the shamans directly, we work with plant medicine, and we get amazing healing in a week. Um, so it's, uh, I'm in my sweet spot, I'm pretty happy, it's exactly what I wanted to be doing. Uh, of course, it's because that's what I'm designed to do, <laughs> you know, so when you get aligned, you're, you're doing work you would just do for free. So that's pretty much, that's what I do, it's really awesome, it's super amazing. Mm-hmm. Realizations galore, <laughs> you know, like wow, it's so cool. It, it's exciting when you're in alignment and all the all the sweet spots we can stand in with our life, whether it's our work, whether it's our relationship with ourselves, whether it's a relationship with our husbands or friend. And spirit would always say to me, as you do your work, Janice, as you clear and become the truth of who you are, you will find yourself um, smelling sweetness. And having sweetness, and you'll be stand- that's because you'll look around and you'll realize, oh, I'm standing in the sweet spot uh, of all the hard work that it takes to kind of dive deep into our own souls to know the truth of who we are. So, what, what in this time of ascension, as the earth and the bigger picture of happening, um, what a lot of people will ask me, what happens to the parts of the beingness? or the beings that are not ascending or waking up? Are they only going to get jostled around a little bit more? Are they going to get what I call teaching curriculum of events to help them wake up? What do you see is in that big picture as the earth is ascending and people are waking up to their divine feminine, divine masculine? What happens when they don't awaken? Uh, Well, you know... um those, there's two different timelines happening now, 
And so okay. the ones that choose not to grow, they'll coexist on the earth, but you just won't feel um, aligned with them, you know, so they're going to yeah. be on their own path. I, I have a few people in my particular life that I can see did not choose to come to the 5D. So, yeah, they're going to be remaining in 3D, and they're going to have whatever experience they have till the end of their day, and then that's it. Like, they're going to have to go to another planet because this planet is ascending her consciousness, and so she's raising her vibration the next octave. And it's not going to be an octave that can support the lessons of the lower um, 3D realms that we've been experiencing the last thousands of years. Um, we're, we're ascending out higher than that level of consciousness so any souls that still feel like well you know i want to learn some more lessons around murder and rape and things like that well they're going to have to go to another planet to to get those lessons it's not going to be to stay on the earth so there'll be um you know there'll be a graceful exit of some kind perhaps there'll be another covid like um you know sickness that goes around and it's a it's an exit point you know, so then we'll, we'll, of course, we'll all feel bad for everybody who died, but actually it's just an exit point. It's like a door, you know, that people can leave if they're, they don't want to stay here. This is, this planet uh-huh. is moving into mastery, you know, so this is a yes. mastery planet now. So if you're not prepared as a soul to operate in mastery, you might not want to be here. For example, like um, one mastery is to learn how to tell good stories, you know, like that don't create a lot of karma. So, I mean, negative karma, right? And so Mm -hmm. um, if you're not, like, say you're a big storyteller and you still haven't learned how to keep your mind a little more quiet and focused and not tell those stories, this could be a really difficult planet to be on because it's of the instant karma. It's like, dang, I just told that story and instantly I got got a feedback. So um, (laughs) some people don't want that, you know, they're like, I'm not ready for that level of mastery. I want to go someplace else not have to be so so uh, masterful so that's really Mm -hmm. it's 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 a graciousness actually and so i don't i i really encourage people uh, while on the on the third dimension on the human scale if we want to feel sorry for people that die from whatever's coming next you know just also remind yourself like these people have a choice every soul has a choice and they're just basically saying i'm not ready for this experience so have some Mm -hmm. grace for them let them go someplace that they can have a lesson that they're really prepared for. Mhm, mhm. I love that. I love that. Yes, I would agree that our planet is going into mastery, and uh, we are to match the heartbeat of the heart of Gaia Mother Earth, and that has a certain rhythm, a certain volume, a certain attunement to um, what I call the harmonic convergence of uh, just living in harmony with all that is. So. And that's ultimately balance, balance, balance. So if our listeners and, of course, all of this material will be put in our archives for people to listen over and over again, where could they get a hold of you? What's the best way of getting a hold of you, Carrie, if they wanted to connect with you in some way, shape, or form? Yeah, my website is really the best way. It's CarrieHummingbird.com, K-E-R-R-I, Hummingbird.com. And there's a number of ways to get on an email list um, from the website. So any of those ways where you're downloading a free book um, or you're getting uh, the Mother Wound interview series, anything like that will put you on my email list. So all of those are good good choices. Good, good, good. So what is the last question? So what does – do you celebrate Easter? Do you celebrate with the great goddess Astora? Do you celebrate with Gaia Mother Earth as this will be a program and we are programming it now uh, during Holy Week? How do you celebrate this particular week or this particular time? Well, the way that I celebrate all of these is through ceremony. So personally, I always practice, um, you know, the Andean practice of despacho, which is um, to create a ceremonial offering of flowers and fruits and nuts and um, sugar and different items um, in we just a that package. Last night. Yeah, hmm. and then I burn it on the fire and release it. So so we'll be doing a lot of that this week and then also sitting in meditation and, and working with um, my oracle cards to um, 
to really go deep into listening, you know, listening for the lessons I need to know right now. Hmm. Well, thank you. I am so joyous and so appreciative that you were with us uh, today on this program and giving your awesome, awesome, awesome information and guidance to those who are listening and will be listening. So I, from my heart to your heart, I deeply appreciate you saying yes to our program of the Pure Hope Show. So thank you so much for joining us today, Carrie. Thank you so much, Janice, for having me, and thank you to all the listeners for, for engaging with us. Yes, yes, yes. And to my lovely listeners, as always, you uh, are a part of this conversation and discussion, so if you have any questions or inquiry you'd like to make of me at the Hope Interface Center, uh, please join us on our email and Facebook and website, and I will get to you as soon as possible, as well as the discussion continues to go on or an inquiry of Carrie Hummingbird that you can uh, contact her to continue this discussion and this inquiry of the truth of who you are. Without all of you, our program would not be possible. And to Janelle and Amy, my assistants here at the Hope Interfaith Center, who are awesome ancient gods uh, and goddesses that have come back to help with the mission of bringing more light to the planet. I thank you for all of your work. And so blessed be, blessed be, until we meet again next month. Namaste, 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 and may you all be well. Thank you all for joining us. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hope by Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. And until next time, remember that true greatness consists in being great in the little things. Be kind. Be gentle. Be loving. Be true.